Hello, and welcome to the Iced Feet podcast, the show about the latest developments in the dance world brought to you by movers like myself. I'm your host, Akele Rossitani, and today we're talking about what's been on everyone's mind in the dance world for the last year, COVID-19. Specifically, we're going to look at how the pandemic has shaped the lives of aspiring professional dancers, one of whom joins me today to share her story. We'll be talking to her a little bit later in the show, but before we get started, we have to figure out how we got here. words come after the World Health Organization today declared the coronavirus a global pandemic. We have no immunity to this virus. We have no vaccines for the virus. That COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. So we begin in March 2020. The pandemic is kicking off and we're seeing dramatic drops in employment rates in various enterprises. One sector that succumbs immediately to the shutdowns is that of the arts. And according to an article by AARP, workers in the arts and design sector incur damages wherein 25% are laid off, 27% see a reduction in hours, and 48% experience a reduction in pay. Over the summer, Americans for the Arts released another survey, the COVID-19 Impact Survey for Artists and Creative Workers. Of over 11,000 artists surveyed, it was found that 95% lost income due to COVID, 62% became unemployed altogether, and 80% had no kind of post-pandemic recovery plan. Last September, when the unemployment rate averaged 8.5%, the National Endowment for the Arts reported that 55% of dancers were out of work. Our sector Live performing arts has been decimated really since March. These reports show a consensus. 2020 was not the year for anyone's big break. And when we look at the reasons behind this financial woe, there are some things that stand out. For one, dancers are often self-employed and working multiple freelance jobs at once in what we call a gig economy. According to the Recovery Support Function Leadership Group, artists are 3.6 times more likely to be self-employed. And due to their lack of access to long-term employment, many dancers also do not have health insurance, exacerbating their burden and concern over health during this time. So Milan, uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm wondering if you could introduce yourself. So my name is Milan Page. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. I've been dancing since I was eight years old, and I've been working with dance since I was 14, 13 years old. I ended up going, moving to LA after I graduated high school, and then the pandemic happened. So I started you know, trying to get into the world, making connections, taking classes. I went to a couple auditions, I went to a couple agency auditions, but then the pandemic happened. Now, I am currently living in North Idaho in my grandparents' basement, helping my grandma, who has cerebellar ataxia, and it kind of put dance on pause. So, Milan, I'm wondering if you can explain to us kind of what the gig economy is and what that looks like from the dancer's perspective. I was there uh, just simply taking classes, and I, fortunately, I had saved up enough money 
on my own before I moved to support myself for like at least a year. The audition scene, it was it was very different than, you know, like growing up at conventions and doing like your little mock auditions. But it's it was so bizarre. Like you would line up uh, out on the street, like blocks down. That's how many people would like show up to things. And you would stand outside for hours and then you would have, you know, maybe two minutes to showcase yourself. Right, and so it sounds like right now there aren't really any auditions happening. There's no resources. Like, you, there's no auditions. There's nothing. If you're not even allowed to book jobs or build that up or make those connections, like, there's no resources to do that. So you can't, like, unless you just want to be a dance teacher. So if dancers and other artists aren't getting paid, aren't getting gigs right now, what will become of the arts? Back in December, I read an article from the New York Times called A Great Cultural Depression Looms for Legions of Unemployed Performers. And while the story centered on one violinist, I believe it spoke to the plight of dancers as well, who have had their spaces condemned. Among the first venues to close due to the virus were theaters, art venues, and concert halls, and they will be among the last to reopen. At a time when so many of us would be buying tickets at box offices for shows like Nutcracker, Baltimore's theaters, of course, remain closed due to COVID. It's not a building that is designed to be empty. It's designed to be full of art and people and stories and music. Such a huge part of a community is these spaces. The bars with live music and dancing on Tuesdays, city council buildings that host salsa each month, theaters that show holiday classics like The Nutcracker, and exclusive performances by traveling dance companies. Art carries and drives culture. So, Milan, would you say we are experiencing this kind of cultural depression, uh, that we've been talking about yeah no i think in a way we are but at the same time i feel like people are finding ways um with technology mm. to still make it a thing okay and what is that looking like with technology i'm set videos and different stuff like my friends and i in nashville um and i have a couple different concept videos that i mean for years i've been you know i've had ideas of different things i've wanted to create and it's almost opened up more resources for the visual like online world but at the same time like live performances those are my favorite things it's just it's a feeling you can't get on a video i feel like if we stop having those things um just the joy in the community like the joy in our communities like is gonna be taken away i think it's a a very dangerous thing because i think the arts are a big part of who we are like as humans if you take that away from people it's like taking away Um, in my opinion, like taking away singing from worshipers. So where does this leave dancers? 
I think a big concern for people is that dance is not solitary and it's not conducive to social distancing. It's a physical endeavor, you sweat, you roll around on the floor, you may touch other people, and dressing rooms are often quite small. The Washington Ballet Gala last July was a terrible example of how dance and this virus mix. Several company members and theater workers tested positive after the ballet company decided to go forward with a gala performance. But now, a year into the pandemic, we have seen progress and we are seeing some companies that do have the resources to return to their spaces, like the Royal Ballet in London, fully masked and testing regularly. Milan, have you taken any classes recently or been to any studios that are successfully implementing COVID protocol? They're going, I went to Monsters of Hip Hop the other weekend. They were oh, in really? Nashville at the same time as me. Yeah, it was, it was so freaking awesome. But you, they just had stickers on the floor. You had to stand. Everybody wore a mask. Like, it was totally fine and it worked. You know what I mean? Like, it worked. We made it work and we got to see them perform live. Like, we still had the freestyle battles. Like, there was still... Like, you took classes. I mean, it was so awesome. I hadn't taken a convention in, like, a year. wonder why everybody's so depressed from the pandemics because we don't, no one has their outlets. You're not giving, like, you're not allowing them. Like, you can only do so much on your own. And have you seen any cities opening up um, with some more dance spaces? In Nashville in particular, too, like, they have their own little dance community. And Portland's kind of started to do it too, where like they'll hold some classes and like you're only allowed a certain amount of people, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody wears a mask, you know, you social distance, all that, or where companies are still holding rehearsals. I mean, even Dance Vision, right? Like Dance Vision is still holding some classes on Zoom and then letting some people come in, but they like keep track of who's coming in. They know who comes in, they clean after everything. I was there like during the pandemic when they were trying to do some classes um and so we would just clean everything off after whoever came in right everybody had to sanitize their hands you couldn't you know take your mask off and they made it work so milan i want to ask what would you say to other aspiring dancers right now who've had their training curtailed by covid and who would like to still dance one day in the future honestly simply just like to keep hope we don't know how that's going to change the shape of the dance world and what it's even going to be like. It could be something completely better than what it is right now, and we just can't see it. Well, Milan, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, thank you for talking with us. Thanks for choosing me. I'm freaking honored. (laughs) I feel cool. So what have we learned? Well, dancers have struggled for the last year, not only financially, but artistically. And this is a fight not yet called. COVID has changed the landscape of this art form and most likely will change it in some permanent ways. However, for artists like Milan Page, these circumstances have presented a challenge that many are willing to rise to, a call to diversify the ways we practice and share this art. And pandemic or no pandemic, Art asks us to face ourselves in the mirror and ask more of ourselves. Luckily, dancers stare at themselves in the mirror day in and day out in the studio. So why should we quit now? I've been your host, Akeli Rasatani, and I'll see you in the next episode of Iced Feet.